If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. Very familiar portion of scripture. And no, it's not the promised scripture. <laughs> and uh, I just want to share a little bit uh, on the LTA. You know, we posted um, uh, on Facebook. There's, you know, the whole place has been, you know, run down for a number of years. And uh, one of the things that was run down was the basketball court. And, uh, you know, they had torn down the hoops and some other things. And, you know, we've been praying and really trying to, to you know, not just better people, but we want to better the neighborhood, you know. And so we've been praying. We wanted uh, the Lord to put it in our heart to fix up, you know, the basketball courts. And so we had been praying and we posted, you know, a prayer request on Facebook. And uh, shortly after we posted it, somebody inboxed us. Uh, and, you know, we were able to contact them. And they, they, they asked me, Eric, how much do you think it will cost? to renovate the court. And so, you know, you never want to ask somebody that, right? So I threw out a figure, you know, it was, it was, it was a, I think it was a pretty modest figure. And, uh, you know, the Lord put it upon somebody's heart. They, they went on to, uh, I believe it was Walmart or Target.com and went ahead and purchased a lot of the stuff that we needed, the hoops and the paint and a number of things. And, uh, you know, not, not just speaking, but actually went through. And today in the mail, we actually got the delivery. Amen? So... Pretty soon, coming up, I believe this week or something, we're going to be putting it up and painting the court, and then we're going to be having a tournament. But the whole thing is geared towards letting people know that God can change your lives. You know, that's, that's the purpose, and if it takes putting up a basketball hoop to bring some people to Jesus, and that is exactly what we're going to do, you know. So keep that in prayer. Keep that in prayer, and, and that person as well that did God touch their heart, that God would bless them. Amen? Isaiah 54, chapter 16. And... uh before I read this scripture, if everybody could just give me your attention for a minute. When I was growing up, we had, uh, before iPods and before all that stuff, we had radios. And whenever you had a radio and you wanted to get a station, you would put up your antenna, right? And you would have to tune it in. You guys remember that? Some of you guys, right? You would have to tune it in. And so what I'm going to ask today is that you tune in today. I know you had a hard day. You had a long day, some of you. Uh, some of you dealt with the kids all day, right? Some of you dealt with your jobs. But I want you to just tune in for a minute because I believe that the Holy Spirit has a station tonight and he wants to speak to you. And I believe that God, like I said, it, it, through his word wants to do a work in your life. It's your choice whether you leave the same tonight or whether you're able to tune in and hear what the Holy Spirit wants to do today because I believe God wants to do something. The older I get, the more I realize that it, it does no good to talk a lot. It's always good to get to the point, and it's always good to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. So tune in with me. Amen? Chapter six, uh, 54, verse 16. It says, See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame, and forges a weapon fit for work. And it is I who created the destroyer to work, to work havoc, and no weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage, everybody say heritage, of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindiction from me, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would show us your glory tonight, that you would just have your way, and that you would minister, Lord, Lord through your word and through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This entire conference that we just went to, it all had to do with inheritance, right? It all had to do with the heritage of what the legacy from our forefathers within this ministry have left us, have given us, and are continuing to pass on to us. 
And what I want to do tonight is I want to touch a little bit on heritage, but not so much in the heritage that we're talking about, like in the conference as far as legacy. I want to talk about our heritage and spiritual warfare. And if you haven't asked yourself as a Christian, how does the enemy know exactly where to hit me? Then believe me, when you start getting hit, you will. You ever wonder why that the attacks on our lives that are the, probably the most severe are the ones that are like tailor me, right? Or is it just me? The ones that we're, they're, they're dealing with maybe our weaknesses, right? They're dealing with the uh, stuff that has been with us maybe for years. Those are the ones, those are the attacks that come and they're really strong, but they should always cause us, or at least they've caused me to ask, how in the world are these things so specific? See, we all face general temptation, right? There's general temptation, and there's attacks, and there's things like this that are just like traps, right? They're meant to catch whoever goes for the bait. These are like general temptations, right? Pastor Steve used to say all the time that the devil, right? What did he used to say? The devil's not fooling around, but he's looking for fools, right? There's always bait laid out for whoever wants to bite it. There's always a temptation that comes generally for any Christian that's trying to serve God. Then we're also faced with another kind of temptation or another kind of attack, and that's a personal attack. These are attacks that either involve, like I said, weaknesses, they involve our family, they involve our finances, and a whole bunch of other nasty stuff, right? And see, for many years, I myself, I would question how in the world can I win these attacks that, are, that they seem so personal, they seem so direct, and they, they usually affect all the areas that I'm the most weak in, right? Or am I the only one here? And so, you know, going over that and facing those attacks for years after years, you know, it's always been on my mind. How do I overcome these things? How do I get the victory? And see, in our opening scripture that we read, it's such an awesome promise from the Lord that we often overlook a huge, a huge revelation that God gave us in that scripture. Right? I mean, Fred Hammond has a song, No Weapon Formed Against Us. Right? We just sang a song having to do with no weapon. But see, if you really think about that, now I want you to think about this whole, this whole scripture right here. It says, no weapon that is formed against us. This means that you have an enemy who is actually creating and forming specific weapons just for you. I'll say it again because I don't think you heard me. This means that you have an enemy that is forming that is forging, that is creating specific weapons just for you. Tell the person next to you, that's you. <laughs> See, some weapons that the enemy creates are to distract us, right? Other are to hurt us. Other are to confuse us. Some of the attacks are to get you to fall. But all of the attacks that are created by the enemy are eventually created to destroy us. They're eventually created to destroy our salvation, to destroy our confidence in the Lord, and I have learned that the enemy creates these weapons based on the information that he has for you. Follow me here. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. He, he forms it based on information that he's gathered on you, right? He's done a little bit of intel on you, right? And so here's, here's where I came up with the, with the question that kept bothering me because it seemed like I kept getting hit in areas and it seemed like the enemy knew exactly where to hit me. It seemed like I, he knew exactly, he had traps laid out for all the things that were right in the path of where he knew I was going. And see, I had to ask myself, why? And how does he get this information? Now, I'm just going to touch on this very lightly because I don't want to get too deep on it. But basically, the theologians, or if you read any commentary, 
they refer to these spirits or they refer to these things that they're known as familiar spirits. In other words, these are spirits that have been around our lives and have been around our families and have been around our, our whole, you know, uh, friends and been around us for years. And these spirits have become familiar with our day-to-day program and our day-to-day struggles. Some of these spirits we've invited. Some of these spirits have tagged along. Some of these spirits have been in our generations after generations in our families. But these spirits have been with us for many years. And so just because we got saved doesn't mean that these spirits are completely gone. Doesn't mean that these spirits are far. They still know your pattern. They still know your weaknesses. They still know who you are, right? I know we feel safe in here, but there are still spirits that know who you are. And, these, and based on that information, based on, on, on these familiar spirits, is how the enemy is able to create weapons specifically for you. See, the enemy can't read your mind, but he sure can pick up on our actions. And based on the enemy's familiarity with us is how he comes up with these tailor-made weapons. Now, I'm pointing this out so that you're aware, not that you're afraid. Stay with me here. Your enemy wants your failure more than you know. Your enemy wants your failure more than you know. And so I want to make, help just make you aware of that. You know, I know we came in and we felt good and we felt the spirit of God. But you have an enemy and he wants your failure. He wants you to not succeed. But God's promise to us, he tells us that our enemy's creating weapons. But don't worry because the God that created, <laughs> the God created him. In other words, God created the person who's creating the weapons. So we're all right. That's his promise to us, is that we're all right. And he says that basically, in God, we have the upper hand. The creation is never better than the creator. Always remember that. And the enemy was created. So God's promise is twofold. The weapons that are formed against us won't prevail. That is a given, that is a fact. That the weapons and the attacks that come against us will not prevail. And it also is another, another part of this, the, uh, the promise is that the accusations of the enemy won't stick, especially by the father of all lies, right? Anybody ever been accused of anything? Come on. Anybody ever been lied about? <laughs> right? These are things. These are, this is part of God's promise. Again, I'm going somewhere with this. The Bible and God calls this, this promise, our heritage. In other words, this means that this promise has been passed down from the past and from those who have, uh, in this case, exercised victory over the enemy's attacks. In other words, in the past, somebody has faced the problems that you're going through, and they have received victory based on this promise. And so it is our heritage, it is our lineage, it is, our, is passed down to us that the way they had victory, we can also have victory. So this means that, in other words, if someone before us overcame an attack, overcame something that the enemy threw at him through God that we can experience through our heritage that exact same victory. And we see this in our ministry all the time, right? We see that, that men and women are launched out to different cities throughout the world, right? They're able to build churches with no money. Hello. Against all odds, they open homes, right? Come on, they lay hands and people are delivered. We see this as a part of our heritage. But what I want to do tonight is I want to look at a man that goes a little bit further than Pastor Sonny. We're going to go back a little bit in time into a man that really that stood out to me as a man who was able to overcome some attacks from the enemy. Remember, we're talking about heritage tonight. And so what I want to do is bring up somebody from the past that helped, that basically seen victory. And based on our heritage, we're able to see that same victory. See, 
Moses, and we're going back to Moses, is a man who had a firsthand experience in what is known as, now if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And if you're not, just remember this. It's called the Shekinah glory. Now I'm going to touch a little bit on this. And again, this is something that I want to make you familiar with it. This is something that was, if you read throughout the entire Bible, this shows up several places. And see, I don't want you to get confused tonight, so I want to make it as plain as possible what I'm talking about. Basically, the word Shekinah, is, it's a Hebrew word, it's a form of a Hebrew word that basically means dwelling or settling. So in other words, the glory, the glory of God, it's when it chooses to settle or it chooses to dwell in a place or show up in a place, and it's God's glory that takes over. So Shekinah glory is what is known as God's divine presence when it settles or shows up somewhere. I believe we had a service, when was it, last week, where God just, that Shekinah, maybe you didn't know what it was, but that is God's Shekinah glory that shows up, and it is a visible, it is a tangible, it is an evident spirit of the Lord. And see, throughout the Bible, this glory, this Shekinah glory, shows up in different places. We see in 1 Kings chapter 8, when Solomon was dedicating his temple, that that glory came down and filled the temple. And the Bible says that nobody was able to do their job. Can you imagine that? Nobody was able to usher. <laughs> nobody was able to play piano. Nobody was able to even move because the glory of God showed up and took over complete control. And see, in Moses, Moses had a lot of run-ins and a lot of firsthand experiences with this glory. And we see and we check into Moses' story when he, you know, basically he has his enemies behind him, right? In the Red Sea in the desert ahead of him. And in Exodus, if you go to Exodus 13, 21, Basically, Moses and the Israelites are on the run, right? And we see that God shows up in what? He shows up in a pillar of a cloud. And again, I'm, I'm, this whole thing is what is referred to as the Shekinah glory. Basically, God visibly shows up to the Israelites. Now, I want you to visually understand what I'm saying. I want you to get a picture here because this is awesome. It's awesome where we're going with this right now. See, visually... Up until, up, basically up until the point where Moses led the Israelites out, God was just a name. God was just a story that people told each other about. The, basically, God was in a book. And then all of a sudden, they're on the run, and then God visibly shows up to all of the Israelite people in a huge pillar cloud, right? And then he decides, what does he start doing, right? God not only shows up, but he starts fighting on their behalf. He starts blocking the enemy from them. And so we see that not only does God become visible, that he begins to deal with them and begins to fight on their behalf. Visibly shows up. When's the last time, I got a question for you, when's the last time that God became visible and active in a battle that you're having? I'll say that again. When is the last time God became visible and active in a battle that you're maybe facing? See, from that point on, this pillar of cloud and a fire by night came into Moses' life. He came into the Israelites' life. And so... Basically, from that point on, God was visible. This glory, God came and showed up and dwelled with his people. Now, this is the Old Testament. And a lot of people will argue and say the Old Testament is not relevant till today. But I'm here to tell you something, that if it happened before, that it could happen again. Now, I'm not going to say that the fire is going to hit you right now. But what I'm saying is this, is that God can show up visibly in a situation and God can visibly be active in people's lives. Back then, he could also do it now. Now, 
if you turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 33, I'm almost done, believe it or not. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, or actually 33, verse 12. There's a thing that, and I'm just going to explain it for the sake of time. There's a thing in, in the Bible in Moses' time. Now remember, he left Israel, I mean, excuse me, left, uh, left Egypt, and he's in the desert. And so God is literally leading them. God is literally with them the whole time. So Moses sends, he sets up what, what is called a tent of meeting. Stay with me on this one, a tent of meeting. And what it was is basically where the camp was, where everybody was at, outside the camp, they would set up a tent. And in this tent is where Moses would go to talk with God. Now remember, God was in a pillar of cloud. So Moses would walk into this tent, and when he wanted to get a hold of God, it's just like a prayer closet. He would walk in, and the Bible says that this pillar, God's, the, the visible presence of God, would go to the tent and would talk to Moses, the Bible says, face to face. Can you imagine talking face to face to God? Right? Come on, a lot of times we're in prayer, and we, you, know, you don't see God's face, right? But God vis visibly came and talked with Moses face to face. So in this tent of meeting is where basically Moses would have his conversations, where Moses would give his directions. And what I want to zero in on real quick is a conversation, and basically the point of this message is it took place inside this tent. Now Moses goes into this tent right here in Exodus 33, and he's talking with God. The Bible says that when he walked in there, that God shows up and he starts talking with Moses. And it's such, it's, such a, it's such a powerful conversation that I want to share with you. Now, remember, we're talking about heritage. We're talking about the attacks of the enemy and how to overcome those attacks. See, Moses was a man, like I said before, that was familiar with attacks. But right here, we see a glimpse of how he overcame those attacks and how basically he inherited, uh, we're going to inherit the same thing. In Exodus 33, verse 12, it says, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people but you have not let me know whom you will send me. You have said, I know you by name and have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me? And how will, how will your people go unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. This whole time, Moses has been seeing God in this pillar along with everybody else. Now, God go, now Moses goes in for a face-to-face -face chat with God. And you would think that at that moment, that Moses would just be quiet. That Moses would just be listening. And Moses would just basically be getting instructions and getting out of that tent. I know I wouldn't. But instead, Moses starts getting crazy. And he not only is getting, he's, he's basically having a, a back and forth conversation with God. But this is the crazy thing that Moses asked. He asked God, can I see, or basically he doesn't even ask him. He says, now let me see your glory. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Why in the world? Would Moses ask that? Remember, he had been visibly looking at God's presence this whole time. But then he has a face-to-face -face conversation and he's talking with God and he says, I want to see your glory. Well, here's the thing. 
Moses, like most of us, have had not only just an outer experience with God, Moses wanted something deeper. When we congregate and we come together in the church, we're able to see and we're able to have basically an experience with God, right? During worship, during altar calls, we're able to see the cloud like the Israelites have seen. We see the presence of God. But Moses, and for Moses, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just to see and just to have an experience or to see God from far off. He wanted to experience God in a different way. And see, this is basically what is taking place right here. Moses says, I want to see your glory. Now, see, trip off this. Wouldn't you think that that's a wild request? Wouldn't you think that that's something crazy that, that Moses would ask to see God's glory? I mean, would you ask that? Would I ask that? See, these are some reasons that I believe Moses asked that question. I believe first that Moses felt that he was missing something. Just as his calling was personal and just as his attacks were personal, he felt that he needed a personal portion of that Shekinah glory. I'll say it again. Just as his calling was personal, Moses was called directly by God, and just as attacks were personal, he felt that he needed a personal portion of that glory. So this is why he was asking for a, he wanted God's glory. See, it was a very personal thing. And as, as you go on in Christianity, right, and when you get past the honeymoon stage, you start realizing that the, the glory and the presence of God that maybe is on pastor or on your leaders, it is not enough for you. I'll say it again. When you go on and you start maturing in Christ, you start realizing that just a Sunday touch is not enough. That basically your leader's glory, your leader's uh, uh, anointing is not enough for your life. And so like Moses, and he had the presence of God, just like the Israelites had the presence of God, Moses said, this is not enough. I need something more. I need a personal touch. I need a personal piece of that glory in my life. See, the second thing I believe that Moses, uh, the reason he asked such a crazy request is I believe that Moses desired to stay in God's favor. He knew that he couldn't do it on his own. So we see throughout the conversation that he's telling them, man, how, how is anybody going to know that I'm different or that you're with me unless you come with me, unless you get a, get a, give me a piece of this, how is anybody going to know that basically I'm different? See, he never felt that he had arrived. This is a man who talked to God face to face. This is a man who had a meetings in a tent with God, talking with him like, like we're talking. But he never felt that he arrived. He recognized exactly where he was at, and that's why he asked for more. See, listen, in our lives, the, the, I would say one of the number one reasons that we fail and one of the number one reasons that we suffer such severe attacks is because some people feel that they've arrived. They don't understand that it takes more of God's presence, that it takes more of God's glory in our lives, that it takes more than just a meeting on Sunday to be able to overcome these things. Moses understood it. Moses understood that he hadn't arrived yet. And that basically he wanted to stay in God's favor, so he needed a bigger portion of God's glory in his life. The third thing I believe that Moses, and the reason that he asked such a crazy request, is that Moses realized that it was God who desired to reveal his glory. So he had every right to ask it. It was God himself who wanted to show his glory. And so by asking this, he wasn't out of pocket. Our heritage, our, our basically inheritance entitles us to that Shekinah glory. 
Our heritage entitles us to ask for the presence visibly and actively in our lives. See, it's a personalized dose of that Shekinah glory in our lives that causes us to overcome attacks that are just as personal. See, to pray, to be able to pray for deliverance over yourself. Come on. How many have asked for, for prayer before, right? That's like a common thing. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. When is the last time you prayed for yourself and received deliverance? When is the last time you were able to bring the presence of God in your own room, in your own house, in your own family? See, this is what I'm talking about. The Shekinah glory is what allows God's presence to become a part of your everyday life, becomes a part of your household, to becomes a part of your marriage, becomes a part of your family, becomes a part of who you are. It isn't just a Sunday dose. It's a Shekinah glory that's actually living inside of your life. See, it's a personal dwelling of God's spirit that causes every weapon to fail. It causes every attack to just fall off. It doesn't matter how personal these attacks are. I want you to know that it's that Shekinah glory that is able to overcome, that is able to break, and that is able to shatter these things. See, Moses understood this. And so it's a, here's, here's the wildest part of the story. It's that God does, God does it. God actually answers Moses' request. Moses said, let me see your glory. And God goes along with it. Can you imagine this? They're, they're, they're talking in the tent, right? And he asks them a crazy question. And then all of a sudden, God says, yeah, why not? He asked me, why not? Listen, think about that for a minute. If every one of us tonight said, God, we want to see your glory. God, tonight we want, we, want, we want your presence in this place. We want your spirit. We want, if we all came together in our own tent here and asked God, like Moses asked him to show his glory, God didn't even hesitate. God didn't even give him stipulations. All he said was, I can't show you all of me, but I'll give you a piece. And, all, and the Bible says that he walks across, and it goes on and on, and there's more to it, but that's the kind of glory. God not only is willing to show it, he wants to show it. Not only, is he, not only is he there readily available for us, we in our, in, our, in our heritage are able to tap into that. You know, tonight, I believe that most of us, if not all of us, have something going on in our lives that is very personal. We have some attack that the enemy has forged against us. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your job. Whatever it is, it's a personalized attack. Now, I've, I, I know personally, I've been experiencing all kinds of stuff. But I'll never, and this is why this scripture keeps coming to my mind. And God keeps reminding me, hey, you can ask. You can, Moses asked, right? He's one of our forefathers. He asked. He was able to tap into it. Why can't I tap into it? Why can't I experience that glory? Why can't I ask God to walk past me and change the situation? See, here tonight, I'm just here to give you a piece of that. I, I'm not here to, to train you in something new. I'm not here to give you anything. I'm not here to, to, to reveal some new thing, something new about the scriptures. This has been around for years. This is, a this is an untapped thing that most people never even experience. Most people come and go or they'll see it on a Sunday morning and they'll just walk out of service like, what just happened? Right? They'll walk out, what just happened? What's going on here? But wouldn't that be amazing if tomorrow morning God just took control of your prayer life and you stood there for two hours in God's presence? Huh? Wouldn't that be amazing that if all of a sudden your kids wake up and they, man, they can't even function right because the presence of God is so heavy in your house? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing of if this Sunday morning that comes, people come walking in, walking by the church because they feel God's presence, they're pulled into this place. 
See, we keep hearing about revival, but revival starts with God's glory. It isn't methods. It isn't flyers. It isn't none of that it brings people. It's God's glory. It's God's glory that visibly comes and is active and is moving through our lives, through our church. You know, here tonight, that's all I want to do is give you a piece of that glory. It isn't, it's just a channel. God wants you to ask him. And here tonight, if you're looking and you're needing a touch from the Lord, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. As they come to the piano. I know that whenever you start talking about stuff like this, it's scary for some people because they don't understand it. You know, I don't know about you, but I need God's presence. I need it more today than I've ever needed it. And as I read the word of God and I read of men that have overcome, even, even throughout the entire Bible, there's men that have overcome personalized attacks on their lives, physical, mental, spiritual attacks. You have an enemy that's trying to kill you. But God has given us something through our heritage. He says, you can tap into me. You can tap into my glory. They will cause all attacks, all weapons, cause everything to fail. Some of you have been struggling because you're not tapping in. You're letting these weapons come in and beat you up. The enemy's getting the best of you. But I'm here to tell you that you can tap into God's glory tonight. His Shekinah glory is able to come. I mean, I felt God's presence from the minute we walked in here. And I know that God is, is specifically set apart tonight to give you that presence, to give you that spirit as they continue to play something solid. I want you to think about it tonight as your head is bowed and your eyes is closed. If you need something more, maybe you feel you're missing. Maybe you even feel like you've arrived, but you, you hear this tonight and you're like, man, I don't have that. I don't have that glory in my life because I've been feeling every single blow and every single attack of the enemy. Tonight, this altar is for those that need that touch specifically that touch that glory is it's already here it's already here the presence of the lord is already here but you need it in your life you need it in your family you need it you need it in your in your soul tonight tonight you can tap in the same way moses asked for god's glory you have the authority to ask for his glory in your life the shekinah glory when he decides to dwell when he decides to show up and take control. From all over this place, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you want to tap into that tonight, I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat and come up to this altar. Say, prepare a song. Slip out of your seat from all over this place. Begin to lift your hands, begin to worship. You don't have to fabricate the Spirit of God. You just got to want it. You just got to want it all over this place.